The StoryCast is supported by you every time you click on our Amazon banner and shop. So head over to StoryCastPodcast.com and click or bookmark our Amazon ad. And we get a kickback on every order you make every time. Simple as that. Thanks. All right, wherever you are right now, just close your eyes. Well, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery, just close your eyes and try to convince yourself that you're asleep. Do that for long enough and maybe, just maybe, you'll start daydreaming. Imagination, desire, finding your warm and fuzzy place. But you're not really dreaming now, are you? You're you're just escaping. Conscious dreams are as different from sound asleep dreams as tickling yourself or being tickled. It's a sincere corollary to a lack of control. We call all kinds of things dreams. Besides daydreams, we have dreams that come true. Ideas and realities that we long for, which really have nothing to do with the experiences that we have when we sleep. We call things dreamy, better than real life, assumed to only exist in our imagination. So what does all this dreamish language tell us? Dreams are things that are bigger than real life. This time on the Storycast, dreams. I was in a kitchen. I remember it had uh, really bright colors and a lot of sunshine. And I saw a bug on the table and I heard it say, hamburger, hamburger. I was riding the subway and I noticed that I could suddenly see into things. There was a young woman and in her purse she had handcuffs. There were two lanes, so it's a normal motorway, apart from the fact that all the cars had no people in them. I'm holding a big glass of milk, and there's a head of lettuce in it. So then what are dreams? Are they just meandering randomness, a bizarre chaos of pattern and thought? Or are they intentional, somewhere deep within our consciousness, a true dream of longing? something our minds truly want to experience, free of moral codes, rational judgment, in a bona fide world? Our dreams pure freedom of thought that our minds wouldn't otherwise allow us when we're awake? Like when you have a dream that's too good to be true, it amazes. Marvelous, fascinating, beautiful, awe-inspiring dreams. Or maybe terribly honest, finally speaking your mind shockingly discovering yourself or the intimacies of someone surprising even to you or maybe your dreams are bizarre ridiculous or even painstakingly uninterestingly semi-fantasy but then there are nightmares terrible things that you think feel do maybe you maim kill betray even those closest to you Those thoughts surely aren't you, right? Unless maybe they're rooted in some animalistic instinct that we never allow to pass from our innate subconscious into the realm of reality. Because after all, you can't have it both ways. Dreams can't be both the epitome of profound honesty and arbitrary, anarchistic, haphazard. But then again, maybe there's no method to the madness. Maybe dreams are simply a mental vomit of infinite odds with no rhyme or reason. So remove your mind from your body just for a sec. Have you ever really stopped to wonder 
Maybe your consciousness is real life. Maybe, just maybe, your conscious soul has and will and always will be. And you just happen to be confined to the worldly limitations of your mind and body. And maybe when we dream, it's just the one time of our day that our consciousness, the electric soul of who we are, can truly stretch its achy joints and eons old synapses. Maybe you, you are immortal. And those past and maybe even future experiences are all simply a part of who you truly are. And when we dream, maybe we experience tiny little snippets of just that, who we are, were, and will someday become. So dreams can come in all shapes and sizes, flavors and varieties. Regardless of what you believe about dreams, they are extraordinary. And here's one that's just that. Three days prior to his assassination, Abraham Lincoln related a dream he had to his wife and a few friends. This is taken from Recollections of Abraham Lincoln, 1847 to 1865, by a friend of Lincoln's named Ward Hill Lehman. About 10 days ago, I retired very late. I had been up waiting for important dispatches from the front. I could not have been long in bed when I fell into a slumber, for I was weary. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs, as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. There, the silence was broken by the same pitiful sobbing, but the mourners were invisible. I went from room to room, no living person was in sight but the same mournful sounds of distress met me as I passed along. I saw light in all the rooms. Every object was familiar to me. But where were all the people who were grieving as if their hearts would break? I was puzzled and alarmed. What could be the meaning of all this? Determined to find the cause of a state of things so mysterious and so shocking, I kept on until I arrived at the East Room, which I entered. There I was met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a catafalque, which rested on a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, and there was a throng of people gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face was covered, others weeping pitifully. Who is dead in the White House? I demanded of one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Then came a loud burst of grief from the crowd, which woke me from my dream. I slept no more that night, and although it was only a dream, I've been strangely annoyed by it ever since. Again, that was Ward Hill Layman's account of Abraham Lincoln retelling his dream of April 12th, 1865. Only three days before that fateful night at the theater. And then some dreams are just childish, crazy, and fun. That's my one-year-old Damien. Well, he's almost two. He doesn't want to use the microphone. Good morning. Damien, did you have any dreams? Yeah. He just woke up. And I ask him that question just about every morning. What did you dream? Okay. 
That's the usual response. It's an amalgamation of his grandparents' names, Opa and Grammer. It just kind of comes out like Opa okay. Grammer. So you dreamt about Opa and Grammer? Yeah. What did you do in your dream? Palm fight. Yeah, you heard that right. A pom-pom fight. You know, just like a snowball fight, but with pom-poms, of course. It's kind of a recurring dream he has, probably fueled by the obsession he has in real life with having a pom-pom fight every time he sees Opa and Grammer. So when you were having your pom-pom fight, did you see anything else in your dream? Anything else around you? Yeah. Birds. Ooh, what color were the birds? Black. Did the birds say anything? Yeah. What did they say? Did you see anything else in your dreams? Yeah. What else? Bottom white. Do you like dreams? Yeah. What's your favorite thing about dreams? Bottom white. <laughs> so maybe dreams do really just have a childlike simplicity. Maybe they're just a mixture of the random crows we see in life and the amazing pom-pom fights that we think of all the time. So this next story is fiction. It's written by me, inspired by the real-life events of that same pom-pom fight lover. It's entitled... Daddy Pickup. That's Daddy Pickup. The hippo moved deliberately, focused. He was everywhere, it seemed. A big one, the hippo. Bounding up purple hills and green night skies, polka dot fjords and invisible crags, I ran as hard and as fast as I could. My breaths rose and fell like the ticking of a clock as the whooshing of the white noise passed through my earlobes. It was gaining on me, the hippo, or perhaps it was already upon me, or right here, under my blanket, ready for dinner, or breakfast. It smelled a lot like French toast after all. It was dark. Or maybe it was a little lighter than it had been. Maybe it was day already. I like daytime. So I took a chance and opened my eyes. <sighs> definitely morning. And definitely French toast. Mmm. I'd slept all night again. At least it seemed I had. My blanket was cozy, and all my bears and the one otter were all lined up in a row, standing guard above me like a cherub army, encircled around my camp. The air was warm, and the sunlight was definitely peeking through now. My crib was my sanctuary, and I worshipped here often. Rolling over, I slid up to my knees and surveyed the scene. I was all alone, well, except for my fuzzy bunkmates, of course. The last thing I remember was lying in daddy's arms, curled up, all nice and warm in the dark room, exhausted from the day before. And then, suddenly, the hippos, haunting my sleep. At once they almost had me. I cried out, but a warm hand on my back somehow saved me and scared those damn hippos away. <laughs> And again, there was a whole gang of them on me, closing in. They had me backed into the corner. I was a goner. Again, I cried out, and a voice came in, calming me, scaring them away. And suddenly, miraculously even, the hippos retreated, as if some supernatural 
Deus Ex Machina Force developed my entire universe and changed the rules, as if this powerful voice and warm hand upon my back had all the power in the world to scare away the wildest of beasts and even resurrect the dead. Because I had survived for yet another night, I'd evaded those wretched hippos, but not upon my own accord, all thanks to that godlike, omnipotent protectorate, some almighty guardian watching over me. I surveyed my current surroundings. Big Bear, Brown Bear, Barley Bear, Ollie the Otter. Man, these guys had nothing on the hippos. They'd be eaten up and spat out, fuzz everywhere. No, it couldn't be them. This invincible savior of mine that shows up night after night just as I cry out for it. It's the thing dreams are made of. I had but only one fear, though. So many nights this amazing being had saved me from sure gobbling up by the wild hippos that I'd become immune to their horror. My fear, though, is not for me, but for the safety of this new sister I've been hearing of. She hadn't arrived to our home yet. I assumed she'd ring the doorbell or something, but Mommy and Daddy kept talking about her. Daddy would tell me about this baby as he oddly touched Mommy on the belly button. Or Mommy would talk about a girl as she shielded her misshapen waist from me upon my leaping upon her on the floor. Geez, she used to be so much more fun before her belly got bigger this year. So anyways, whenever and however the sister shows up around here, I'm scared for her. I'm afraid that these hippos will get to her at night in her crib. I mean, I've been fighting them off now with the help of this mysterious liberator for quite some time. It's almost become fun to cry out to it in the middle of the night, knowing that it's all I need to find safety, refuge, sleep. A simple, dreary word. A soft, warm hand. That's all it takes. And the hippos leave. But what's she going to do? If she's anything like my tiny little cousin, she's going to be small, helpless. She won't know what to do, who to cry out to. And maybe my protector won't even know to help her. Those hippos are mean and big and fast, and she won't even stand a chance. I'll have to help her every bit I can. However, I, I somehow I, I need to show her, tell her somehow, tell her about this force that helps me, prepare her in any way I can with the knowledge that might just save her life it's the least i can do and maybe the only thing i can do i just hope she stands a chance maybe next time at night i'll ask that magical voice that magical hand i'll question its power i'll plead for it to know that when my sister shows up she's going to need just as much help as me in fending off these hippos these damn hippos that plague the nights around here because when the mornings come it's bright and it's warm and the air is full of life. Because there are no hippos in the daytime. Because in the daytime, there's French toast. And it sure as hell smells really good right now. Daddy, back up. So, all said and done, here are the facts. And if you don't believe me, look it up. We forget about 90% of our dreams. On average, we dream for six years of our lives in total. Our minds are more active in REM sleep 
than at any point when we're awake. And when we're in REM, our bodies are completely paralyzed, most likely to prohibit us from actively participating in our dreams. Research has shown that dreams can even help us learn or solve real-world problems. Scientists commonly agree that recurring dreams relate to ideas that we need to understand about ourselves or the world around us. People who are born blind can't dream in visuals, but still experience dreams with all the other senses. Interestingly enough, the most common dream reported is one where your spouse is having an affair. And 4% of your own sex dreams actually result in orgasms. And dreams aren't just all crazy and fun. From the periodic table to the sewing machine, dreams have been responsible for many of the world's inventions. And finally, there's lucid dreaming. But that's a whole different show. This song you're listening to is Adrian Von Siegler's Awake in a Dream. You can find his incredible fantasy-inspired music on iTunes. And I hope you're lying in bed right now, trying to fall asleep. Because, if you are, you'll be dreaming soon. You can look forward to a new story cast every other Friday, bringing you eclectic stories wrapped in intriguing themes. And if I just woke you up, sorry. <laughs>